0: Amen. I appreciate Philip and Amanda, and uh, and all that they do. I appreciate my wife uh, stepping in here, Laura, and singing, and and uh, just our staff and everybody. John David, with uh, everything that goes on, I really appreciate uh, the folks that lead out, and I appreciate uh, how they put our service together this morning. Uh, this morning, we're going to get to uh, the book of John, chapter eight. Uh, John chapter eight, starting in verse one. Before we get there, I want to tell you about an experience I've had. Um, as, a, uh, as, a, as a youth pastor and a young adult pastor, uh, I learned something. I learned that, it, that you just go and preach whenever there's an opportunity. If God's called you to preach, then just go. And one of the first opportunities, in fact, I would share this with any uh, person that, that feels called to preach, is be willing to go preach at the nursing home. Be willing to go preach at the nursing home. Anybody ever done nursing home ministry before gone and sung? Man, it is, it is rewarding. If you haven't done that, I encourage you to. Um, and, and you go, and, and I remember going uh, week after week to, uh, to a care center, and I would share a message, and I wouldn't know if anybody was paying attention right? The people with their eyes closed, people wandering away, people telling me to, to speak louder, people playing bingo in the corner, right? It was, it was everything in between. I remember there was, a, there was a man who would go and serve, and he went time and time again, and he would always sing with a group of other men in this, in this group, and they would sing some old hymns, and it would really bless the folks there. Um, and I remember that, that one particular day, this man was there, and none of the other guys showed up to sing. And some of the times when nobody else would show up, I would have to do the singing. And that wasn't good for anybody, right? Uh, it wasn't good for any, anybody. But I remember this one time, this, this other man was there, and it was just me and him. And I said, can you lead the singing today? And he said, he was kind of reluctant. And he said, well, okay, I will. And he led a group of residents there in the nursing home in one, one of the neatest worship things I'd ever seen at a nursing home, uh, by far the best I'd ever seen in a nursing home. And after we got done, I said, man, I said, you are really good at this. And this man was, was uh, probably 75, this man who was helping me. And I said, you are, you are so good at this. I said, why are you not doing this? And then he shared with me some of his testimony. He shared how he had been a church leader in the past, and he had made some mistakes in his life, and he felt unqualified to serve in any capacity, and so he had spent years and years and years. In fact, we, we met several times, and, and he ended up recommitting his life to Christ and being rebaptized uh, as a symbol of his commitment to, to his rededication, but in that, he began to understand. He began to understand that that part of being a Christian is learning how to walk in God's forgiveness. And why our mistakes will often have consequences and things that we have to deal with and and that, that do disqualify us from different things at different times. When we are walking in God's forgiveness, he gives us second chances. It was so neat to see that man step in and learn how to, to lead and, and to share that with other people. Learn to share, hey, I'm not perfect. I made, I made some mistakes in my life, but God has restored me. I've repented of that. We're going to look this morning at another crucial conversation that Jesus gives us. As we walk to the cross this year, as we look at the teachings of Jesus and we, and we prepare our hearts for Resurrection Sunday. By the way, Resurrection Sunday, I hope that you, that's Easter, alright? I like to call it Resurrection Sunday because there's, there's no, uh, no bunnies needed for Resurrection Sunday, okay? We are going to have a great service, a great worship time, and I, I encourage you to invite somebody to come with you on, on Resurrection Sunday uh, coming up soon with us. So over in John chapter 1 is a crucial, I'm sorry, John chapter 8, is a crucial conversation that's not for the people out there, it's for us. It's not for somebody who needs to hear this. Today we're looking at Jesus' words and we are reminding ourselves This is for me today. God has something for me right here, right now, not for somebody else. This is for us today. So in John chapter 8, in fact, if we back up to verse 53 of chapter 7, I hope a familiar passage to you. In verse 53 says, Then each went to his own home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman." Now, what do you say? Now, I'm going to stop there. The law does say that, all right? If you go to the Old Testament, you'll see that. You also see, just kind of attached to that, that uh, part of the law was the accuser would to be the one to throw the first stone. So they bring a woman caught in adultery. We don't know anything about the man. Um, we just know that she's brought probably... Uh, didn't have much clothes on, just drugged before a group of men. And and they're trying, it says here in verse 6, they were they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him, talking about Jesus. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her again he stooped down and wrote on the ground we don't know what jesus wrote there's a lot of good uh, theologians out there that say that maybe he wrote the the sins of uh, the men that were there or maybe he wrote uh, that 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 phrase from the old testament that the uh, acu- where is the accuser maybe he wrote where is the man uh, or maybe he was just doodling in the dirt just to to collect his thoughts. We don't really know there, but that's what he did, and that's what he said. If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And he stooped down and wrote again in the ground. Verse 9 says, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, Where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Go now and leave your life of sin. The Christian life is about trying to see forgiveness and grace and living and and walking in forgiveness like Jesus sees it. Jesus saw this woman and did not condemn her. He forgave her. Through the cross, we have an invitation, to, just like this woman did, to repent of our sin and to move on, to repent, to go and to sin no more. When Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, he went to absorb the penalty for our sin. And so when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have salvation through Jesus Christ. We have the commandment to go and to sin no more, to go and to live our life. And learning to live like that, learning to live in God's forgiveness is a word for me and for you today. We have to see forgiveness as Jesus sees it. In 1 John chapter 1, in verse 9, uh, is a verse that says that, that if we confess our sins to the Lord, if we confess our sins to Christ, He is faithful and just to forgive us our trespasses, our sins. God is faithful to forgive us. If, if we confess, He is faithful and just to forgive us. Forgiveness versus excuses. C.S. Lewis says this, Forgiveness says, You have done an evil thing, nevertheless, I will not hold it against you. Ex- excuses says, I see that you couldn't help it or didn't mean it. You weren't really to blame. When we understand forgiveness, we understand that we're guilty. We understand that we go before the Lord and we confess our sins. We confess to the Lord, I, I have sinned, I have messed up. And when we are forgiven, it doesn't mean that, that, that Jesus is, is, is okay with us having excuses. Well, everybody does it, right? If, as a parent, when, you, when your kid comes home and they're in trouble... And they say to you, well, I got in trouble today, but everybody got in trouble, right? That doesn't cut it as a parent. You say, well, I don't care about all the other kids. I care about my kid, and you're the one that, I, that I'm going to deal with today, not the, all the other ones. That's all the other parents' job. All of the excuses that we bring when we have sin in our life. We say, well, it's just a small sin, or it's not that big of a deal, or we compare ourselves to other people. Forgiveness, walking in forgiveness, is not about excuses. It's about understanding that we have done evil things, but God does not hold that against us because of Jesus. God has absorbed that on the cross, all of our sinfulness. Many people will accuse us. Jesus does not see us like other people sees us. In this story, this woman who's brought before Jesus in this group of of men, there are many people accusing this one woman. And Jesus was the one who looked at her with compassion and with truth and, and offered forgiveness to her and said, go and sin no more. And that's how Jesus sees us, not as an accuser, but as one who cares for us. There's a difference in and a worldly grief of our mistakes and a godly grief of our sin. There's a big difference in this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, it says this, Even if I caused you sorrow, this is Paul talking, he says, Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did, re- I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy not because you were made sorry but because your sorrow led you to repentance. All right, let me read that again. I was I was I am happy not because you were made sorry but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended and you and, and so we're not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Worldly sorrow brings death. There's a difference between a worldly feeling, oh, man, I've messed up, right, and I feel bad and I feel ashamed and I feel, uh, I feel uh, sh- I, like I'm going to carry this shame for the rest of my life and a godly grief, right, when we do something bad, we should feel bad, right? When you sin against God, you should feel bad because that's the spirit reminding you, hey, what you're doing is not good. But the, the, godly, the godly grief of our sin leads us, according to what Paul is, is saying here, the godly grief of our sin, the godly conviction of our sin leads us to change our life, leads us to change and repent of our sin. Godly, godly grief is different than worldly grief. Worldly glee, grief worldly grief about your sin is going to always paralyze you. It's going to always make you stay right where you are. It's always going to say, like my friend who, who helped me at the nursing home, you're not good enough, right? You can't do this because your sin is too great. Because you are not qualified enough because, because of all these reasons. There's a difference. And so this morning as we look at forgiveness, it's not about our forgiveness is an excuse to God. Our forgiveness is an honest confession to God. God, I need to be forgiven because I'm guilty of this. Our, our forgiveness is not a, a coming from a worldly grief where we feel sorry for ourselves or we um, just feel guilty all the time. But it's a guilt from God, a, a guilty conviction that leads us to repentance according to what Paul says there in 2 Corinthians. All right, if you have your Bible, go with me, follow me this morning. Luke chapter 15, we're going to look at another passage. Luke chapter 15. Eli, you, you ready? All right. So this last week, I went on a hike, and Eli's going to come up here. He's going he's to show you all what I found, all right? So, Eli, show everybody, go ahead and show everybody this flashlight. All right, walk it down the aisle there. There you go. All right. He he said, I want to show everybody that flashlight. All right, so that flashlight, I bought that flashlight about 16 years ago. And I remember buying that flashlight, and it was right before Laura and I got married. And I remember taking it out of the package, putting the batteries in it, turning it on. Thank you, bud. Give me a high five. Go sit down. Good job. You you yanked. Oh. You hang on to that. All right, good job. I bought that flashlight 16 years ago, all right? 16 years ago, I bought that flashlight, and I remember taking it out of the package and putting it in my pocket, and I was going deer hunting out on my parents' property. And so they have about 165 acres, and some of it is very thick brush. And I remember going, and it was uh, deer season, and I wanted to go in the thick brush, right? I was going to get in there and really, really spook up the deer, well, when I did, I dropped that flashlight 16 years ago. I dropped that flashlight in the thick of, of a brush. And I remember at, at, uh, it was nighttime, and I went to my pocket, didn't have the flashlight, and I said, oh, man, I walked back without that flashlight. Every time I've walked through that, that area of their property, I've said, well, maybe this is the day I'm going to find that flashlight. And that flashlight survived uh, uh, a wildfire, came through there, burned it up. You can see the burn marks on it. But this last week, I was out on their property uh, one evening, and I said, you know, I'm going to go walk through here. And maybe I'll f-, I was, really wasn't looking for the flashlight. I was looking for deer antlers. I said, well, maybe there's some deer sheds out here I can find. And so i walked walk through the thick, the thick of it. and But as I was going, in the back of my mind, I said, you know what? Maybe I'll see that flashlight. And I was, I, I, no lie, 16 years later, I'm still thinking. I, never, I dropped that really good flashlight. And I want to tell you, this week I found that flashlight right where I had dropped it, in the, in the thick of a, of, of a bunch of, of thorn bushes. And it was right there, and I saw it, and I said, well, I'll be, it's there, and it doesn't work, okay, it doesn't work, but it was kind of a neat thing to share, that I never gave up looking for that flashlight. And that flashlight is a piece of junk, all right? It's, it's like 10 bucks at the store, and I, and I, I, didn't, I didn't lose sleep over it, uh, but I did remember it, that I had lost it. In Jesus' teaching here in in Luke chapter 15, we're going to see that Jesus never gives up looking for something much more valuable than a flashlight, his people, his children. This is what he says, chapter 15 of Luke. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. He goes on and he says this in verse 8, or suppose a woman who has ten silver coins and loses one, does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So we talk about walking this morning walking in forgiveness and what that message is for us today, you know when I found my my small little flashlight, I took it back to, to the house and i and I was it was that flashlight will never it doesn't work all right it's burned up the battery kind of exploded in it but I was happy to tell my family I finally found my flashlight i I, I finally found what I had been looking for I want to tell you something this parable that Jesus gives us. Points to this idea that when when God finds us, He is happy. When Jesus finds us, He is happy. The, the illustration here, the Lamb, the first illustration, the first parable. The lamb had to, at some point, the lamb has to stop running. At some point, Jesus catches up the or the, in the story. At some point, the, the shepherd catches the lamb. The lamb has to start to stop running. This morning. If you are running from God, you need to stop, right? If you know God has been looking for you and calling your name and you just keep going and doing your thing, let me tell you, you're either going to get worn out like an animal gets wore out or, or Jesus is going to catch you in time, right? But I'm going to tell you, the longer you go, the more exhausted you're going to be. The longer you run from God, the more ha- unhappy you're going to be. If you're running from God this morning, you need to stop and you need to know this, that when God finally catches up with you and brings you back to where you know you need to be and you repent of whatever you're running from God with and you say, I'm done with that, and you go back to where God is calling you to be, there is rejoicing there. There is rejoicing that takes place. Our repentance causes us to stop, first of all. We have to stop what we're doing. We have to repent repentance is a change of heart or a change of direction if you're not willing to do that then you're not really repenting this morning I want to I want to tell you that repentance is not like going to the ATM on the way to the ball game, where you need something from God and you've done something wrong so you pull into the repentance ATM and you put in your pin code and you get that 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 salvation and then you keep going the same direction That you were wanting to go in the first place. That's not real repentance. That's just you cheapening God's grace to do and live the way that you want to live. True repentance means giving in to the Lord. And saying, okay God, I've run and done it my way. I've done this. I know that it's wrong. Or I know that you've called me to something different. And I've gone a different direction. But I'm going to give it up. And I'm going to let you lead me in the right way. That's true repentance. And when that happens, when that happens here in this story, these, both of these parables, what happens is true repentance leads to rejoicing. And this is the message this morning, that when people repent, there is joy that should take place. If you are walking in sin this morning, and you confess your sin to God, and you say, God, I'm done with this, I want something different in my life, you don't walk. In, you don't walk in forgiveness and walk around feeling sorry for all the mistakes you made. You get to walk in a newness of life, is what it's called. You get to walk in joy, not because of the past mistakes you made. Don't walk around saying, "Man, I was really a screw up. Look at all these bad things I did. I'm so proud of those things." No, you say that those were mistakes, and now. Now I'm a new creation and I can walk in joy. And here's what I see sometimes in this, in this, in this message that Jesus has for us today. Is that sometimes we, we do not repent and walk into joy. We repent and we walk into, man, I really blew it. Man, I'm so bad. I know that this is wrong. And we just continually pile it on. And let me tell you who does that is the accuser. In that first story I read, the accusers were the ones that were piling it on that woman. Jesus was the one who offered a way out of that. And as I read this story and as I read these illustrations that Jesus gives us, these parables, these short stories, first with a sheep and then with a coin, when the the owner, the shepherd or the woman who had the coin, when they find what was valued to them, they are full of great joy. Now, it changes my perspective as I look at confession to the Lord. If I have sinned, if I have done something that I know is sinful, I'm sorrowful for that. I confess that to the Lord, and I don't make excuses. I say, God, I've done this. I know it's wrong, and I confess it to you. We need to be specific when we confess to the Lord. If you're stealing, you need to say, God, I stole this. You don't need to say, God, I might have kind of taking a little too much. You need to, you need to, you need to be intentional about when, when God convicts you of something, the Spirit's working on you, and you know you've done something wrong, fess up to it. Go before the Lord and say, God, I did this, and it was wrong, and be sorrowful, but not sorrowful that, that you're not going to move on past it, sorrowful that you lay it down before the Lord and at the cross and the feet of Jesus, and then move on and be joyful that the Lord took up your penalty in your place. This morning, this message is for us in remembering both of, these, both of these stories. Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with your past where you, you just can't get over it, and you, you doubt yourself, you, you're embarrassed, and you're ashamed of things that you've done in your past. This morning, part of your confession to the Lord needs to be, God, help me to leave that behind and move on in my life so I can be full of joy. God doesn't need you to feel sorry for all the mistakes that you've made, to keep living in that past. That's what Satan wants you to do. In fact, with my friend who, who at the nursing home, what Satan had had, he had he had confessed 30 something years, 40 something years earlier. He knew what he had done was wrong, but he lived with that guilt and that shame for 30 or 40 years. And and God had put in him a gift that needed to be used, and he didn't use it because he was ashamed and he was carrying that with him every single day. And you need, if this morning, if you have a doubt, if you're embarrassed and ashamed of your past mistakes, you need to not be paralyzed by the evil one, but to move on and walk in forgiveness of the Lord. Maybe this morning you you say, when God looks at me, he probably is very disappointed. If you're saved this morning, if you're made new as a Christian, when God looks at you, he's not disappointed in you. He's, He's full of joy in you, and he wants you to be joy in this earth in this place and we need that more than ever when god looks at you this morning he is not disappointed in you if you're a follower of jesus and if you're not a follower of jesus when he looks at you he says i've got something great for you i've got a better life for you through jesus you can't do it on your own you have made some big mistakes but i can handle that on the cross that's the message of jesus this morning god maybe you look at yourself and you say god can never use me because of my past God can never use me because of my past mistakes why can't God use you he can use you he can use you it might be different than what you have in mind but God can use each and every one of us look at Peter right why did God give us Peter he gave us Peter because we can all relate to Peter one way or another Peter, the man who said, God, I will never leave your side, right? Who pulled a sword in the garden, cut off a guy's ear, who said, I'm going to be with you to the end. And then when Jesus is arrested in, this, in the span of one night, what does he do three times? He denies Jesus. He says, I don't even know that guy, right? He, he turns his back, basically spits in the face of Jesus and walks away from Jesus. And what does Jesus do after the resurrection? He gets him and he says, Peter, I've got a big plan. Will you take care of my sheep? Will you feed my sheep? Do you love me? And he restores his relationship with Peter. And he, and he uses Peter to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Your future this morning, your future, our future, doesn't have to be determined by our past failures. This morning, if you're walking with the Lord, you need to understand that, that, that your past failures does not have to determine your future through Jesus Christ. Isn't that the good news that we're supposed to share to this world today, to, to our community? Our future doesn't have to be determined by our past failures. True forgiveness, we accept true forgiveness of our past failures from the Lord and we, re- we receive it from god and then we can be made full of joy we receive that true forgiveness church let me ask you a question this morning church are we are we rejoicing when we see people repent and come to follow jesus are we rejoicing in that if you read in luke and there's no there's no no coincidence of this because what did y'all study in sunday school rita did y'all study the prodigal son this morning if you read a little further down, man, I'm going to tell you this, that those of you that didn't come to Sunday school, you need to come next week to, to, to Rita and Mark. They're meeting across the street right now. The prodigal son is the next parable right here. And if you read that parable, and I encourage you to, if you haven't read it today through the Sunday school class, go home and read the, the parable of the prodigal son. And in that, you're going to see at the end of a son returning home to a, at the arms of his father, And the big story, there is a great rejoicing that takes place. And there is one guy who misses out who's outside, and that is the brother who says, well, I've been here all along and I've done all this. And I want to tell you, church, we don't need to be like that brother in the prodigal son. When somebody comes to know Jesus, we need to join in the rejoicing in the Lord. When somebody repents, when you're walking with somebody and they repent, and they confess their sins to the Lord and they're walking with the Lord. We need to join in rejoicing with the Lord that one person has returned. Now let me, let me, let me attach this. Sometimes that's difficult to do. you know why? Because God's still working on us and there's things in our hearts that we've got to let go of. Does that, that a cynical attitude ever come up in you when you hear somebody recommitting their life or changing their life to the Lord and you say... We'll see how long this lasts. Man, I've heard that before. I've heard that in my own heart. Well, I, we've been here before with this guy. That's sin I've got to confess. Church, if, if, if we have that attitude when somebody turns their life to Jesus, when somebody repents of sin, and we're not joyful for God at work in their life and expect it, that the Holy Spirit is really alive in their soul, we need to confess that because that's sin in our own hearts. So church, this morning, the question is, are we rejoicing when people repent? Last thing this morning, maybe you're here this morning and you're ready to accept the forgiveness of Jesus. Maybe, maybe you hear the forgiveness that he gave this woman caught in, in sin and, and, and brought to, to be condemned by the group. And you say, you know what, I want what she got. I want I want." acceptance from Jesus I want uh, forgiveness from the Lord this morning that's simple you confess to the Lord you say God I I will I need to be saved I need help with my mistakes and the Bible says that he is he is a forgiving Lord he will he he has been looking for you and when he grabs a hold of you he will take he will take your sin to the cross for you and our job is to receive his gift of grace. Maybe this morning that's you. Maybe this morning the question for you is this. Are you walking in, in Jesus' forgiveness today? Are you walking in Jesus' forgiveness or are you walking in in your shame? This morning we're going to sing one more song. Is that right, Philip? Let's set our hearts on walking in forgiveness. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word, these, these uh, parables that you give us they are so they are so timely for us today lord if there's somebody here today who who needs to trust you i pray that they would for the first time lord i pray that they would put their faith in you and be saved and have that salvation lord for somebody else this morning maybe they're here and they have a they have a, a, a sinful habit. They have something that they're wrestling with. They know is not right. They're, they, they have a relationship with you, but they have this thing going on. And they, they know that they need to confess that to you. Lord, I pray that they would confess it today. And that as they confess, as we confess our sins to you and we receive your, your forgiveness that that would fill us with a joy, not in how good we are, but in how good you are, Lord. This morning, I pray that for us as a church. And Lord, would you fill us as a church with joy when we see one person come to know you, when we expect you to be saving people and you to be working in the ministries of this church and we see that happen, Lord, I pray that this place, this people, would be filled with the joy of the Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this song.